Coming up in this episode, Randy and I are going to talk about our annual getting your bike ready for the riding season. Yes, sir. So if you're ready to ride, this is an episode you're definitely going to want to check out. Also, our featured ride is Boston Mountain Run in Arkansas, 43-mile run. So if interested, stick around. If you're not, stick around anyway. We'll be right back. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. I want to tell you about a legal team whose members are both experienced motorcycle riders and aggressive trial lawyers. They're called the Law Tigers. Now, Law Tigers is not a law firm or a lawyer referral service. They're a national association of motorcycle accident injury lawyers who are ready to assist you with your accident claim. Each Law Tiger has their own law firm. Also, they have a great website that can answer a lot of your questions. So go to lawtigers.com and put their number in your phone. Law Tigers Motorcycle Lawyers. Helping riders find answers. If your bike is anything like me, it occasionally needs a little TOC. And I know that if your bike needs a little bit of maintenance, then you should go to Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first level five Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas. Their red level technicians can keep you on the road. Plus, Heartland Honda has a huge selection of Honda motorcycles ATVs, and side-by-sides, along with a wide variety of selected used bikes, all with excellent financing options. So give them a call at 479-751-7022 or find them online at heartlandhonda.com. Heartland Honda, work hard, play hard. If you're familiar at all with Pulaski County, Missouri, then you know it is home to the U.S. Army's Fort Leonard Wood. But Pulaski County was also the first county in Missouri to be recognized as a Purple Heart County, which makes this Heroes Tour even more unique. Pulaski County has 21 memorials that honor those who have served our country. Here's just a list of some of the most popular. They've got Memorial Grove Park, Chemical Corps, Military Police Memorial, Engineering Memorial, Joint Services Park, African American Soldiers Memorial, Patriots Point, which has the largest American flag in Pulaski County, and St. Robert's Military Tribute and Freedom Rock. Find all 21 and plan your ride by downloading the app and turn-by-turn tour at PulaskiCountyUSA.com. Digital downloads available at the click of a mouse. Well, welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. Last time, Randy and I were at the Show Me Bike Show in Sedalia, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. In case you don't know, with me is Randy Lewis. <laughs> what up, Home Slice? Yeah, nothing. I'm too old to have anything up. Mm-hmm. Don't read between the lines. <laughs> Has sure. life been good to you this week? Shit, life's or has it just, just been? Yeah, it's, it's just, just been. Freaking one foot in front of the other is what it is. But you're one day or one week closer to moving in. Yeah, you would assume so, yes. Uh, on paper, that's the way it works. But in reality. <laughs> in theory, fucks yeah. a lot of stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, getting your bike ready for bike riding season. Something we do every year at this time because it's, you know. 
It's right around the corner. It's time to get ready. But first, I want to talk about our ride of the week. But we do these every two weeks, so it's our featured ride. Let's put it that way. It's called the Boston Mountains Run. You can find this at OzarkRides.com on page three of the Arkansas Ride Maps page. It's a 43-mile ride. And actually, you probably didn't even know this, Randy. It used to be a former stagecoach route. Shoot, I could see that. After riding it, I could definitely see how that would be. You bet. Now, it starts, uh, actually, it starts in Greenland, which is like a suburb of Fayetteville. Yeah. On Highway 71. And the cool thing about this ride is you want to start at the Arkansas Air and Military Museum in Fayetteville. It's right there where the ride map starts, and it is an awesome museum if you're into that kind of thing. Even if you're not, still. Pretty gnarly, huh? Yeah, it's got a lot of neat aircraft and other type of exhibits, and I always enjoy stopping there and, and checking out what they've got because they turn over a lot of stuff, and it's always something new for you. But anyways, this ride, if you're familiar with the Boston Mountains, it's Arkansas's premier mountain range. Really? I mean, it's not Colorado. It's not the Rockies. <laughs> That's where I'm like, where the hell's the mountains at? <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's some rides in Missouri that you can take that uh, Old Field Loop I'm thinking of, not a, not a sidetrack, yeah. but on a clear day, you can see the Boston Mountains and it's pretty cool. That is pretty gnarly. But um, it starts in uh, Greenland and ends in Alma there on Highway 40. And it is basically a two lane road, but it's a lot of, there's no switchbacks, but there's a lot of curves. It rides along the ridge of the mountain range. You get a lot of scenic views, and it's a slick ride. You have taken this ride when you were at Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, haven't you? Yeah, so when you talked about the doing this ride as our featured ride, I was like... Boston Mountain Ride? What the frick is that? I don't know what you're talking about. I came up with a name. It's weird, you know. I've not seen necessarily a route that I haven't been on or heard of or something. Well, it's the Boston Mountains and it is a ride, so do the math. I get it. So then I looked it up on the ride map and I was like, oh, well, shit, I take this ride. Yeah, that's no problem. So one year we stayed, it's kind of late notice getting down to Fayetteville and we got there super, super late. So the closest place that we could find a hotel was Alma which, you know, it's 40 miles, 50 miles, whatever it is, south of Fayetteville. So we stay in Fayetteville, frick, all the way up till... 11, 11.30 at night. Yeah, because getting like, a place to stay in Fayetteville during Bikes, Blues, and yeah, Barbecue, unless you've yeah. made a reservation years in advance, forget it. Yeah, exactly. So we're like, all right, well, let's just take 71 South and head to Alma. You know, we got a room there. So the thing is, is like, this is old 71. This is what the interstate, whatever, used to be. They've switched it over to 49 now. I think yeah, forty nine. It used to be seventy one, kind of. It's an interstate, so therefore I never ride it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's the old road. The new one, hell, part of the ride you can see the new road from this road. Yeah, on certain areas you can. And what's cool is, like you said, you mentioned it's the old road. Therefore, you get into a lot of uh, vintage, if you want to call it, rustic. Yeah. uh, Areas that uh, you know haven't kept up with the times. Exactly. Because it's all been bypassed. Exactly. But the road is a good road. So, you know, check it out. You're probably going to like it. It's a cool road. We took it late at night, never been on the road before. So imagine our surprise when we start hitting all these turns and corners and, you know, elevation changes. And luckily, me and a buddy of mine that rode another bagger at the time, we had just switched over to LED lights and they were stupid bright. So we ended up, which we tend to lead the pack anyway, but we were up in the front and everybody could see for, you know, quarter mile basically. And when you look at this ride on the map, it looks unimpressive. Yeah. But it really is a slick ride. Worth taking. I enjoyed taking. it. And then we came back up that same road, you know, the next day when we were going to the rally and we were able to haul ass and really see it for what it was. So Yeah. 
Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and it's uh, like you said, it's an annual thing that we do, getting your bike ready for riding season. This is the perfect time. We've had a stint of really cold weather, but I think hopefully, knock on wood, we are past that and spring is coming up and a lot of people's bikes have been just sitting around. Now, after you hear the podcast, you can go online to ozarkrides.com, scroll down a little bit on the main page. And you'll see our featured story, which is about getting your bike ready, oddly enough. And there's even a video of you getting a bike ready and talking people through the maintenance on it in your underwear. That's interesting. Man, how the hell did you find that? Green screen. (laughs) Green screen. Yeah. (laughs) Let's hope he helped me out there. (laughs) Well, my first instinct was a tutu. That shit, I'll wear it. All right. So. I'll do anything if it pays enough. Yeah. The check clears. Yeah. So take it away. All right. So this is, obviously this is more my wheelhouse, but. Hey, I do maintenance on my bike. Yeah. I sure used do. to. Yeah, sure do. Sure do. You you are the one that does the oddest maintenance, like make sure the tassels are straight and ironed, you know, leather's got to be lubed up, stuff like that. I'm talking about real-time maintenance. What are some things that are going to save your skin come the first time you ride it this year? <laughs> It's audio. You can't see the the look he's getting, but (laughs) it is not complimentary. Oh, that's awesome. So typically a lot of guys, and this is funny as shit to me, but, you know, they just want to make sure that the pipes are loud and it revs up like 50 times before you get the engine warm. Like that's their maintenance. That's what they try to figure out. I don't know why that grinds on me. Something awful when somebody starts their bike from a cold start and right out of the gate, they rev it up. Yeah. It's like destroying their cylinders. I've never understood it. I don't get it. I don't even... What does Forrest Gump say? Stupid is as stupid does. Yeah, yeah. But whatever, you know, it's your pocketbook. So typically where I start, and this is something that I see a lot of people, I get a lot of people stop by the shop, you know, first couple rides, the first couple months of riding season, you know, for what most people ride. They always come in and say, man, my bike's got a little bit of a wobble. It feels heavy. It's really sluggish. You know, what's wrong with it? And something that people tend to forget and don't think about is their air pressure and their tires. You know, they just look at it and like, eh, it's round. You know, the sidewalls aren't bubbled up too bad. But from what I found on motorcycle tires, you know, you can you can have a, a tire at like 14 to 15 pounds of pressure and it still look fairly inflated. So it's it's kind of deceiving. But that's the first thing I always check is check the air pressure because, you know, these cold months, even if you have it stored inside, you know, air dissipates easily when it gets cold and warm and cold and warm. So that's typically the first thing that I do is check your air pressure, make sure all that's good. After that, you'll go into, you know, you want to make sure all your lights are working. People can't see you, see what you're doing. Can I interject something here? Sure. Can we back up something? What would, and we'll get back to this, what would you recommend for people to do at the beginning of putting their bike away for the season? For me, I make sure that there's like stable ran through the system for the fuel system. and so. This is what I'd say. There are some things you can do to eliminate yeah. some of your problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Number one thing, most important thing, stop being a vagina and putting it up. Ride that thing. The word Ride is, that thing. <laughs> the politically correct word is pussy. Pussy, yeah. yeah. Sorry, ladies out there. We love you, too. We're just freaking... Referring to cats, of course. Yeah, we're just degenerates. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> just don't ever put it up. Just... 
don't stop riding. Yeah. And it'll be perfect. If there's ride. ice on the road, okay, you get a pass. But other than that. Negative. <laughs> no, no, all, all jokes aside. So putting it up for the winter. Uh, one of the easiest things to do is not everybody has access to this, which, you know, it'd be a good little investment. Um, jack the bike up, get it up off the ground. You know, don't let it sit there on the tires. No, it doesn't make a huge difference. But if you're talking about some places, you know, people listen to this all over the world for whatever reason, we've got a short two, three, max four month winter here. You know, it's really not that long, but. I mean, you're talking about other regions of the country where they have more winter than they have summer. Yeah. So they got. But if find you can't it. jack it up, at least go out once a week and roll it. Yeah, move it around a little. Move bit. it around. So the reason why we're talking about doing that is, is you get flat spots in your tires, and it's it's actually hard to get out if you let it sit there for eight nine months. You know, they're they're always there. It messes up the belts in the tire. Makes it to where when you ride it down the road, you get a little bit of bounce, a little bit of wobble. Nobody wants that. You only got two tires. Don't risk it with that. So. Biggest things is, is jack it up, get it up off the ground, strap it to your jack. No one wants that thing to fall off of there. Keep it inflated, you know, with it up off the ground. It doesn't matter if the air dissipates in the tires. Just make sure you air it back up before you get back out there on the road. Um, Stable is a great, great thing to use. And the idea of it is, too, is you don't just put it in your fuel tank and then walk away. Especially if you have a carbed bike. That helps you nothing. It really it helps protect the gas that's in the fuel in the tank, tank and but that's doesn't it. help the system. No, no. The correct way and the right way is honestly, say it's getting like around here, it starts getting kind of cold in December. A lot of people stop riding in late November, early December, whatever. You know that first ride or that one of the last couple rides, man. Treat the tank with well, stable. Well, that's what there. I do. I got to I think I'm going to have a hard winter or something mm-hmm. in December. Yeah, even if anything. I still keep riding. I put stable in it every fill up. Yeah, it doesn't you hurt never know. thing at all. Yeah, you never know when your last ride's actually going to be. What you want it to do is work through the entire system. You know, you want to treat your fuel tank with stable. Then you want to start and run the motorcycle. You want to run it for a little while. So if you could take a ride, that's even better. You know, two birds, one stone type of thing. Um, but if you can't take a ride and you're just letting it run idle, let that sucker run 15, 20 minutes easily. You need it to mix in with the fuel. And then you need it to get into your injection system through all your injectors, all your lines, everything. If you're running a carbed bike, you want to get it ran into your carburetor and let it sit there with stable in it. You know, it's, it's just going to make springtime riding that much easier. So with all that being said, you know, after, you, after you've done the pre-maintenance last ride of the winter, you're rolling the thing out. Let's get it. Let's get it rolling. You know, a lot of guys always have issues with batteries. Batteries are just is what it is, man. They suck. No matter what you say, what you do, they suck. Short of tire issues, that's the worst thing in the world, particularly running in rural areas. Yeah. You may be in the middle of nowhere, having a dead battery. Yeah, I mean, max battery life I typically see is like five, six years. Some guys get better. A lot of guys get a lot worse. You know, just batteries just suck. And, and yes, we've talked about this expensive. before. You do not want to skimp. And go and buy a Walmart battery. Right. Don't buy the cheap ass battery for whatever because you, you will be sorry. Wanna, yeah, you don't want to spend money. You know, we've we've been over this, we beat this dead horse so many times that you know you can buy two or three of those junk batteries, always have issues, always have it being dead and not charging right, or you can buy one good battery and just be good for five years. So 
a lot of guys, you know, if, if you're pre-maintaining this thing, put it on a trickle charger, float charger, you know, you, you put it up for the winter and stick that thing on a little a float charger and leave it alone. You don't have to go out and start it every week. You don't have to go out and start it every month. Like I have learned from experience, you do not want to purchase a cheap knockoff flow charger. <laughs> it will actually drain your battery. Yeah. It does not help. Spend the money like the battery and get a good quality flow charger. Yeah. Uh, you'll be ahead of the game because I have, I admit it that I have purchased, oh, here's a good price for a flow charger. That's cheap. I'll buy that. You know, some Chinese knockoff. Mm-hmm. And gone out there and the battery was dead, dead, dead. Yeah, see, that's what the idea of, oh, it's a good price. Is it a good price for your wallet or is no. it a good price for the item you're buying? No, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things like, let's let's talk numerically here, okay? A good float charger, a good one, you know, 40 to 60 bucks, typically. Yeah. All right, 40 to 60 bucks. A good battery, like an expensive battery for a big Harley touring bike. You know, even if you bought one from say Napper or O'Reilly's, 130 bucks. You go to Harley and it's probably 150, 160 bucks, something like that. Okay. If you can't afford to maintain your motorcycle, you can't afford to own it. You know, and it pisses me off when That's people right. are like, oh, I've got this bike, but let me put all this Amazon shit on it. Or let me go really, really cheap on every possible thing I can because I don't have the money for it. Or I'm on a fixed income. Well, mother trucker, if you're on a fixed income, maybe you don't, maybe you don't need a motorcycle. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do it half-assed and do it wrong, ugh, you're just putting everything and everyone else at risk. Exactly. If you can't afford it, get a moped. Yeah, get a cheaper bike. <laughs> yeah, cheaper bike. Otherwise, I, that grinds on me something awful along with the people that will buy the expensive Harley or Indian or whatever. And they the only thing they do is they ride it to the grocery store maybe yeah, once yeah. a week. And I know people like that, yeah, people around I here. It. I get it. And it pisses me off. I've actually told people, how about I just come over to your house? I, I'll come and get it <laughs> and take it away. And at least you'll know. Have a good feeling that it is getting used. <laughs> Don't hate us because you ain't us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they would say, oh, I went for a ride today. Where'd you go? Oh, went up to the bullseye, to the market. Yeah. So that's a catch-22 for me. Um, just because in my shop, I see all sorts of, all walks of life. So the ones that piss me off like that are the 20-somethings, you know, the younger, very capable people that are ones that they can get out there and ride and not be hard on their bodies yeah yeah so those guys piss me off like crazy because they talk about how badass they are and how many times they ride and then you ask them where the last time they rode was well i rode it to the bar oh yeah which bar well it's the one that's just down the street it's like okay okay you take this you take your bike and you go for a half mile to a mile ride Uh, you're just kind of Great. Awesome. You got a motorcycle, whatever. But then there's the old dude, the old guy that's like, you know, rode all his life or just I'm get old. back into riding. No, I'm not. This is the one time I didn't say shit about you. Stop, <laughs> stop being so selfish here. Golly, <laughs> okay. egotistical. I know it's all about me. Like I've got a customer and he's truthfully probably one of my best customers. The guy's amazing. He never really had a motorcycle when he was younger. When he got older, he bought a trike. I helped him buy his first trike numerous years ago. And now he's, you know, he's kept buying new trikes. And I mean, he just, I know who you're talking about. I mean, I don't know him, but 
I've seen him come in your shop several times. Yeah. But, but he's always out there on the road. That's what's cool about it. He may not go on big, long rides. Like, he doesn't shit. I mean, I think he rides it to VA in, in Columbia a couple, you know, an hour and a half or whatever it is. But like, he doesn't. Two hours. He doesn't stretch out there very far. No. But golly, he rides it and loves every second of it. Like, his daily routine is to ride from his house to my shop, go get a 99 cent burger and a Coke from Mr. Ed's and come in there and shoot the shit with me. Then he goes back. Like that's just what he does. He rides it like uh, most people would get in their car and go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, you know, you talk about that guy not putting very many miles on it, but man, it's the highlight of his day. He loves it. Probably does it, you know, some months. And he does it once daily. a week. Yeah. But then you have the other guy that does the same amount of miles, same thing, but he's a young freaking i don't know what to say about it so that's where i'm like kind of toss up <laughs> you know what i heard a phrase a, a, a little kid i heard this come out of a little kid's mouth and it, it applies here they are what they call crybaby titty sucks <laughs> oh that's funny i always think about them as the me first or look at me generation you know that yeah. should be a hashtag hashtag me first Hashtag look at me. You know, those guys that always are just self-indulged and just... I can't indulge these people. Yeah. Anyways, so you got your bike. Yeah. You're so thinking you... about putting a new battery in. Go good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Don't go cheap. Make sure your tires are good. What else you want to do? Yeah. So obviously if you got an older bike or any bike for that matter, you know, I always check the fluid levels. It's just a good idea. Hell, that's going to be the best time to see exactly how much fluid's in it anyway. You know, it's been sitting there stagnant for a month or two months or whatever on end. So all the fluid is in the case. Oil, gas, brake fluid. Yes. Yes. See, this is what everybody always does is they check the oil, they check the gas, they start it, they rev it up sky high all the time. Check the brake fluid, man. Like it is something that will get moisture in it and it will break down and it breaks down faster just by sitting there, not being used and circulated. You know, definitely a good idea. Check the brake fluid in it. It's not as difficult or as tricky or as risky as what most people think. Shoot, most of them are two Phillips head screws. Just pull the cap off. Look, see how much is in there. You know, see if you're Because you don't have to bleed the brakes if they're fine. You can... If it looks like it needs to be replaced, suck that stuff out. You still have fluid in the lines. Yeah. And then replace it. But the real ideal way is to, yeah, to flush it the then, whole flush system. The whole system. Yeah. But yeah. if you can't do that, it's better than nothing. Yes, I would agree with that. The less contamination in your entire brake fluid system. And, and typically, especially with today's brake lines, and you typically see all your breakdown in the master cylinder as opposed to in the lines. Now you will have it in the caliper too, but it, it's such a small space that you don't see it as much. Typically where you see it is in the master cylinder first. And that's where it starts getting really brown or black or tarnished and turn into gel and things like that. So definitely once a year, pull the caps off your master cylinders, look at it, see the condition of it. You'll be able to catch and save yourself a lot of heartache before it actually gets to happen. Outside of that, you know, tire pressure, make sure your battery's good enough. What about and, tread on your tires? You can go get one of these tread checkers at, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. auto parts store. Yeah, you know, that's that's always a good idea. Check your tires, I guess, instead of just the pressure. Look your tires over. Make sure you don't have any bald spots, nails in them, low on tread, things like that. I mean, that that to me is common sense, but... 
We've but you know, this, this day and age, you can't count on common sense and people yeah. anymore. Well, it had a hundred pounds of pressure in it. I thought that was good enough and it looked slick. So I thought that was the best thing you could have for traction. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess you have to preface that. Check the tire pressure, check the tread life. Just check it. Check the tire over. Look for dry rotting on the sidewalls, dry rotting in between treads. It call, you, all comes under the category of please don't be a dumbass. Yeah, it will... Like most tires will have a little dry checking in the treads. That's different, you know, and you might have a little bit on the sidewalls. That's completely different from deep, thick cracks. Like you're going to have some in it from deflection, heat and cooling of the tire, you know, tread moving a little bit, how hard you corner. You're going to have a little bit of cracking here and there. I'm not saying that any cracking is good cracking, but you're going to have some of that stuff. But what's bad is when it's, you know, really, really deep, really, really wide. And a lot of the times you see it in the sidewall, shoot, it'll go all the way around the sidewall. Uh-huh. It's not just, you know, a half an inch here, half an inch there. Like when you have catastrophic dry rotting, like they're big, wide, deep cracks, easy to see typically outside of that. And you've, you've done all that. Make sure all your lights work. Make sure all your functions work properly. You know, you can roll on throttle and let off and the throttle snaps back easy enough. It doesn't stick or hang way up. Make sure that your clutch is working correctly. You know, if you've got a cable clutch, it's not a bad idea. Even as simple as just putting a little WD-40 in the end of the cable on the line and just spraying it, letting Mm -hmm. it soak and letting it run. Um, Hydraulic, it's just the same as your brake fluid. Check your hydraulic master cylinder. Make sure it's got plenty in it. it looks Belt good. and chain tension. Yeah. So a lot of guys don't know. It seems stupid, but they don't know what the tension should be. You know, how much deflection do you need? How much, how tight should it be? How loose should it be? And you go over the basics there in that video uh, that we alluded to in the beginning of the. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as that goes, you know, in theory, if it was working perfect, it was already tensioned up when you put it up for the winter, it's not going to lose its characteristics over over the winter time. You know, yeah, it's a good idea to check how much deflection's in a chain, how much deflection per tension is on a belt. But the bigger thing that I would see is is if you can get it up in the air, roll the tire and look at the condition of the belt. The condition of the belt will change over a a time period in the winter, especially if it's really, really cold, dry air, you know, you can have a belt dry out and start showing some aging and cracking. That to me is more important than, than the tension of it, checking the tension of it. Cause again, you know, in theory, if you put it up good, it's going to be the same when you get it back out. Now, what about some of the other peripherals like spark plugs, uh, fuel filters, things like that? Yeah, now, this day and age, you don't have to change plugs all the time if it's running right, do you? Uh, about 20,000 miles is typically where I'll change them at. Mm-hmm. So about every 20,000 miles, change your plugs out. You know, it's kind of one of those things that, yeah, if you're if you're super anal and you really want to focus on every last little point, you know, a lot of that stuff, too, you would have done when you're putting it up for the winter. But again, you know, a lot of guys are just ridiculous and over maintenance, over maintenance, over maintenance. So they, they check the same stuff post and pre or whatever. Um, it's not something I would necessarily hyper focus on in the springtime when you're getting one started, just because again, you know, you're going to put it up riding. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that you're 
going to be fine with in the springtime. You know, it's not an issue until it's an issue type of thing. You know, what we're really focusing on and hitting on is the stuff that could have changed over sitting, over not being road. That's the stuff you really, really want to check. And that's going to be tire condition, tire pressure, belt or chain condition, condition of your fuel, condition of your battery, condition of your brake fluid. I'm so anal that I'll go through, and you you don't even know this about me. I'll go through and turn a wrench. You know, as no. far as I do, I go through and check the nuts and things like that. I bet you and do. bolts. You just couldn't. <laughs> you, you can't help yourself, can you? Man, I'm. I make sure everything is is it's tensioned down like it's supposed yeah. to be, and so that's your best bet, truthfully. So this is something I want to preface right here, right now, and this has been such a huge misconception. And okay, if you can prove me wrong on this, great. I'll admit it. Whatever. But the idea to go out and start your motorcycle and let it run idling out for five or 10 minutes weekly does absolutely shit to it. Nothing good. And this is the reason why I say nothing good. Say it's super, super cold air outside. Maybe it's parked outside. Lord, hopefully, hopefully not. It's parked inside in a garage or a storage shed, insulated, uninsulated, whatever. The air temperature is stupid cold. Cold is cold. Okay. You start it and let it run for five or 10 minutes. It gets hot. What happens when you have a hot condensation? You get condensation. Where's that condensation build up? Inside your engine. Where does it go to? Your engine oil. You start it and let it run at an idle for five or 10 minutes and then shut it back off and let it sit there for another week. It's going to condensate. It's going to do it. And it's going to get into your oil. Now... The other side of that is, is most motorcycles charge optimal at about a 3000 to 3500 range. Okay. That RPM wise, that's when they're actually charging very optimal. They don't charge shit at an idle. Well, see there, I've been riding all my life. I didn't know that. No, they don't charge as great at an idle and you could test this. You know, some bikes do a lot better. Some bikes don't do as well, whatever. So if you ever had an inkling or a, uh, the ability to check it with an ohm meter and see what your bike charged out at, at an idle, um, you would know if this is going to hurt it or help it or whatever. So most of them will sit there at an idle 12.67, 12.8. Some of them, some of the more metric bikes I see charge up there around 13.2, 13.4 at an idle. But at an idle, it's essentially battery voltage. So you let it idle five, 10 minutes. The freaking thing's not charging. You're doing more damage, causing more wear on your battery, and it's dissipating the battery. Some motorcycles, it dissipates the battery at a faster rate than it could possibly charge it, especially just being at an idle. So that's why I always say, if, shit, if you're going to start it, start it and ride it. Ride it. You know, Once you get the RPMs up... Now you're really lubricating the engine with hot oil and putting stress onto it. Like that's a lot better than just letting one sit and idle for five or 10 minutes. Words to live by. Yeah. So the idea that when people come in and be like, well, I start the thing every, every single week, I start it, let it run. I'm like, shit. Okay. You know, it just, it just causes Thanks more for problems than yeah. it actually does. And I want to call bullshit to everybody that's ever said that because I have never met a single person that religiously, like clockwork, starts their motorcycle once a week in the winter and lets it run. I've never once actually seen it happen that way. 
Okay, so if you do need more information, go to ozarkrides.com. Check out our featured story. So in the meantime, if you ever want to check out uh, different stories that we have or various ride maps, we've got more ride maps than any other online source about the Ozarks. Check it out at OzarkRides.com. And if you're inclined at all to become a uh, club member, we sure to appreciate the help where people are starting to sign up for that. And, and we appreciate it. Yeah, so yeah, check sure. it out. So until next time, always stay safe, get your bike ready to ride and stay on two wheels.